This week on Podcast 17. Not a lot of releases, but we got some media updates from City 17 Episode 1, Orion, and Modular Combat. We also have an extensive interview with the successful Smashball team. stop shop for half-life community news better really? than all the rest that's book show <laughs> Dog. I like the direction this is going in let's continue <laughs> oh my god i wanted to, i wanted to say something differently like i wanted to explain the podcast you know well that was different <laughs> The people who download this podcast know very well what they're getting themselves into. They don't. They don't need a warning. <laughs> I am William. Emmanuel is here, as always. Hi, Emmanuel. Mm-hmm. And Daniel is here. Daniel Acart from Ragnarok Arena and Paradigm Shift and all your other little projects. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And you know what? Thomas isn't here. Wah, wah, wah. And Should we, we have, go over that? Yeah, we have some bad news. Um. Yeah. Can I? Can I? Okay, but first, let me let me just first say. Thomas was gonna record something, but uh, but he didn't, and I don't know what happened. So I guess we're just gonna have to say it for him. Mm-hmm. Okay, go for Thomas, it. Thomas. Thomas is dead. No, he's not dead. He's dead. Yeah, how how is he gonna record something saying he's <laughs> dead? He's dead to us. <laughs> because he don't get into the logistics of it, but he committed suicide, and he could have de- taken it before, but no. Thomas no. actually got called into service, and uh, he will not be with us for about a month and a half. He told me he's not going to be coming back until mid-August. So we're going to be without Thomas until mid-August. Um, we're going to be hopping around with co-hosts and everything until then. And uh, don't worry, he's not like going to Iraq or anything, so he's not going to die. I think he's helping out with a camp um, or something, like right outside the city. It's, it's even worse. It's even worse in Iraq. He's helping out in a Bible camp. Is it a Bible camp? It is a Bible camp. He didn't tell what? me it was a Bible camp. Yeah. What? How does that work? I don't know. His chances of survival are slim. <laughs> I am genuinely... How does that work? He applied for the job and they went, You're hired! Bring your Bible. I didn't know that he was uh, religious. He's not. Then why would he do that? I didn't know. I Are you serious? Are you serious? It's a Bible camp. I am positive. Huh. Interesting. I swear to the flying spaghetti monster, I'm not making this up. <laughs> How do you know this? And he didn't tell us this. This is. I'm a little. Insulted. I have chat logs and everything, and maybe because he likes me more than he likes you. Yeah, I don't see why you're very Ackart more than me. I'm better than Ackart. <laughs> not that hard, to be honest. Anyway, Thomas is gone. He's not going to be coming back anytime soon. So, mid-August. Yeah, we we're going to find a replacement, and uh, so until then, you're going to have to deal without, you know, a good podcast. But it, you've done it for a long time. We we actually had the, the pleasure of going back and listening to some of our older podcasts, and whew, I don't know how we're still here. If you can call it a pleasure. So what's yeah. going on with Heart of Evil then? I mean, hold on. Let me go to ModDB and see what their newest post is. Well, apparently Mod, Heart of Evil isn't affected by this. He He's not going to have an internet connection or something because apparently it's against the Christian Bible. But 
I think they're still going to continue on without him. So Ham and Jam is still coming out. Just it's going to take him a little bit longer. <laughs> I think they uh, have until the end of this month. Tom's position in Heart of Evil's a uh, uh, very um, supervisory position. Like they can continue, continue, you know, making textures, models, et cetera, et cetera. And he doesn't need to be there staring over their shoulders all this time. So they can continue for the month and a half without his guidance and still get a lot of stuff done. That's good. That's good. Well, I mean, he said he was going to be releasing June 24th. That is much past. Um, I think he Only made about four days. I, I think he, he did... made a comment on podcast17.com and he bumped it up to like the 30th, maybe? I don't know. That sounds familiar, but anyway. He did not specify a year. A year. That is true. He did not put down a year. <laughs> so we have to wait for, you know, another celestial year. Anyway, nice. okay, moving on to Podcast 17 news. Um, so that's basically the, the rundown of Thomas. Uh, Stratafarius wanted me to let me, you know that if you want to help on the Vidcast 17 project, make an introduction slash credits video. We're looking for an introduction slash credits video for Podcast 17. Um, basically something that we can throw at the beginning of every podcast 17 related video if you are a video editor this would be something that's probably like 10 15 seconds long something really upbeat you know it's like do 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 maybe some quotes from podcast 17 with some cuts of people playing video games um (laughs) (laughs) would make sense too much i think and then for the (laughs) for the credits video would probably be something quick like a big and just www.podcast17.com It sounds like you're looking for like an army advertisement more than you are a uh, (laughs) credits video for for the podcast. But anyway, Stratfarius is looking for something like that. I don't think he's going to get it because nobody ever responds to our video editing comments. Mm -hmm. Nope, no one has video skills. I do, but I'm just too lazy. So So anyway, that's that. And uh, moving right along, we're going to skip follow-up and errata, mainly because our listener audio question has to do about follow-up and errata. So uh, let's let's skip that. Emmanuel, any apologies? Uh, did we get any hate mail last week? Actually, for the most part, people agreed with me. So yeah, actually, last week a lot of people did agree with you. That was pretty mm-hmm. pretty solid. It's the eighth sign. The end times are upon us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which means people are starting to stop being less stupid and read their books and stop watching Fox News. It's it's a great great thing. You're right. We are on a fast track towards the idiocracy future that was predicted. Brave New World, read it. <laughs> the Mayan calendar is ending. Anyway, um, so moving on to Straight from the Mouth of Valve, I guess. Uh, Team Fortress 2, Half-Life 2 Episode 1 and 2, and Portal update, which basically you should just read as there was a TF2 update and they threw in some other updates in there. Um, not much that's interesting from this update, except that they added the Novint Falcon support. What is... I just did, uh, okay. Who knows what that? I know what it is, but who? I've else used one. Knows? You've, used, You've one? used one. Okay. Yep. They sell them at Fry's Electronics. They're a two hundred dollar um, mouse ball thing that uses motors to simulate force feedback. It's a really cool gimmick. It's not worth like two hundred fifty dollars. Isn't that the uh, gun thing though? I thought the Novin. There is a gun, gun attachment for it. Oh, okay. The, but the yeah, gun's yeah. really awkward to use. Yeah. And what did you think of it? Did you like it? It was different. I prefer using a mouse because then I can actually aim at things. Hmm. Mm. I, it seems like a cool idea because it has feedback and that seems cool. Well, 
it, it has more than feedback. Like, it will realistically simulate recoil. So the game doesn't have to do anything. Your view will actually be jerked up. You will fight, um, like, you fight the, um, the hover boat and gaining control and whatnot because it's a junk, uh, it's a hunk of junk. Mm-hmm. But it's still just a gimmick, and it will never replace the mouse. But if you have two hundred dollars to spend, you want to try Half Life Two a different way. Does it feel I, good I, as like a as a gun controller though? Like, does that make sense? Uh, not really. I disagree. I think I think it would pick up if it could get over the fact that it's incredibly cumbersome. So it takes up a huge portion of your desk, <laughs> and and <laughs> if it was cheap. But it's not cheap. A mouse is ten bucks. A Novant Falcon is three hundred fifty million dollars. No one wants to pay that <laughs> for a substitute. So unless they can solve those two problems, in other words, if it can fold away and then it only costs like twenty bucks, it's not going to happen. But because traditionally people do not want to spend a lot of money on perif- peripherals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's like the G twenty keyboard that Logitech just came out with, which is two hundred bucks, and it lights up and has a color LCD screen on it. And the first time you spill coffee on it, it's going to be ruined. I mm-hmm. I saw a sweet keyboard the other day for good like media PCs. It was like a Logitech. It had a little touchpad on it, and uh, you yeah. can program all your own custom shortcuts and everything. It was sweet. So I'm going to buy one when I move into my apartment. It's so pretty, yeah. isn't it? It is pretty. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I just want I just want a keyboard with a touchpad on it, so I don't have to use a mouse if I'm sitting on the couch, you know. I well, I, I'm very particular about my keyboards, and I I have just a regular old black straight up keyboard. It'd be the you know boring version, but yeah. it, but the but the reason I do that is because I unlike uh, you probably eat on my keyboard. I don't just eat near it, but I actually p- place my food. On, on the keyboard, not even a plate, just burritos and chips. So I, I replace them pretty often. So I don't want to spend. I actually have a G15, but I put it away because I don't want to ruin it. I actually just got a G15 last night because at Fry's Electronics, they had them on sale for sixty bucks, and I went. The I orange really can't one. The orange one, but it's not that bad, and it's more I, compact than the G, the blue one. That has to be one of the worst keyboards I've ever used. You're and, one of the uh, worst keyboards I've ever used. I actually, wrote, I, it's funny you mention that because I wrote a review about it. Um, and I got it as a Christmas present. I had to write a review about it. And my friend came across the review, and he was absolutely livid because I did not give it very good marks at all, and he took it offensively, personally. So. Yeah, Nick asked a good question. What percent of the review was actually about the keyboard and not even actually, the Actually, that, that was my first article for Planet Half-Life, so I actually had to show them that I could write. So probably a good 70% of that, that oh. review was in fluff, yeah. <laughs> Actually, speaking of speaking of articles, that been all downhill from there. <laughs> you, don't, you don't know about this, but uh, there there was an article that was supposed to be posted this week on right? Podcast Seventeen. On Podcast Seventeen, right? Right. And and Nick's they department. thought, that, see, you guys don't know the listeners, but William and, and Nick thought that they could get away with not posting it, but I still have it in its entirety right here, and I plan on reading it to you right now out loud. <laughs> we can drop you from the call; it's no problem. <laughs> See, Nick still has it because he likes it. He just doesn't want to. He just doesn't want to admit it. I still have it too. It's in my email. Yeah, it's not a bad. It's it's bad, but you should still post it. <laughs> that's, that's one of the trade offs here. I I come onto the podcast even though I don't want to be here, and you post my articles. Mm-hmm. So I I will say that if you want to read it, email me directly, and I will send it to you. Email three B underground article posting tool. So that way, I, I'm like the 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 Black Panthers. Of liberating <laughs> the Half-Life community from from the tyranny of William and Nick's censorship. 
So. So in 20 years, no one will even know what that means? No. Everyone knows the Black Panthers and Malcolm X and Dr. Martin Luther King. Yeah. All right, moving on, moving on. <clears throat> Enough segues. Um, Steam Client Update was released as well. Um, everybody should probably already have it by now, but it but, basically just improves performance and fixes that, a whole bunch of bugs. I never complained about Steam's performance, so why would they do that? I've never once thought, man, this is too slow. God damn it. Maybe Because Valve takes in other criticisms that don't come from you. <laughs> well, actually, they don't take my criticisms to begin with. I've sent like 15 emails, and I've never gotten a response. <laughs> that should tell you something. <clears throat> That's because they read your views on Planet Apple. Actually... Actually, I did send an email to um to Gabe Newell once about it was it was about the motion blur thing, and he actually forwarded to his entire uh, um, programming team and Doug Lombardi, and Doug Lombardi re- um, responded. It's really cool. Awesome. Very professional. Okay, <clears throat> the next update here. Actually, do the TF2 one first. Uh, TF2. There's another update on top of the update that I just talked about. Some more fixes. Um, this mainly feels like some server-side fixes instead of client-side stuff, like a lot of CVARs and things like that, um, and tuning and tweaking. But the big update of the week was the Left 4 Dead update, which added full add-on support. Now you can download VPK files, double-click them. It has a nice little, you have installed your shit, and now you can play custom campaigns in Left 4 Dead, which is awesome. It works really well. We've been waiting for that for a long time, haven't we? Yeah, we have. And uh, actually, we went to go play Left 4 Dead, and we were like, what the hell is going on with all the Left 4 Dead servers? You couldn't connect to anything. Everything was just so bogged down. And then we realized that it updated, and we realized there was the little add-on button. We were like, oh shit, the update was just posted. I checked Steam, and alas, it was. So, um, If you go to Left 4 Dead Maps, l4dmaps.com, a lot of the campaigns that are being released right now have VPK support, so if you want to try it out, that'd be a really, really good good thing to start at. Actually, they just released the Mortuary, which is something that I was looking forward to. It looks really good. We're going to have to play this later. Wow, this looks awesome. And I bet this have you played... campaign support. <clears throat> William, have you played Death Aboard? Yeah, I played Death Aboard, but I don't... have they updated with the VPK stuff? There's an unofficial release of the um, some fans did that make it into a VPK. Hmm. All right. Yeah, that's, the, that's uh, good then. I, I just, I just, I just want to to say, this is this is a plea to all the listeners out there and all the content creators out there. For the love of God, please do some epically long, big, intricate campaigns for Left 4 Dead, so we can start playing Left 4 Dead again. Please, yeah, instead of just loading up. Seconded. Yeah, you know what? You know what the problem is with the VPK support, though, that I'm sort of noticing is you can only play the ones you have installed. You can't like search. Left for, for Left for Dead servers with other people running custom campaigns. I would like to be able to do that and just download from their servers if they allow it, just like, you know, custom maps. Because the problem is you download these add-ons and you sit and you sit and wait in a server until somebody joins. I'd like to just be able to join a server that's already going on instead of waiting for somebody to join whatever campaign I choose. You know what I mean? I still yeah. want a Valve-supported server browser. That'd be, that'd be nice, too. Well- <laughs> There's a reason why they're not doing the 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 server browser, I think. Because it's going to be a feature in Left 4 Dead 2. Because they're 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 trying to move towards this in all their um their content. Uh, TF2 now has that newish server browser. Well, actually, Data Feed Sorter says I don't know if TF2 does. And uh, I think they're trying to make it more user friendly, because they're I think their reasoning is kind of like our reasoning when we 
make the podcast, our reasoning is, would Gabe Newell come on the show? Well, theirs is, would my mom play this? And do you think your mom's going to understand what 83MS means? It's true. So. It is true. And it's a lot like, uh, you know, console multiplayer server browsing now. You know what I mean? That's what yeah. it sort of feels like. And Which that's is fine. Not a, yeah. That is not a problem. It, in, in fact, I've got a lot of friends that their only issue with the PC version of, say, TF2 is that there's not a matchmaking system. It's just hard for them to find a server. And I, full, I wholeheartedly hope they add matchmaking to their other games. But for the love of God, please, please have the server browser as an option. Well, yeah. that's going to take a lot more work than they probably want to do. Why? So, because now they have two things to worry about in terms of bugs and working properly. And But the server browser already works. All they'd have to do is add on the... Um, Matchmaking. Like, well, the server browser is, works in uh, Left 4 Dead. You just can't choose your character right now. My, my logic is, if it's good enough, then you'll want to use it. So they can make it good enough so that even the advanced users won't even mind. So. Alright, next on the, uh, the agenda is, of course, the release list. And uh, topping off the release list is Insurgency. They released an update. Not a very big update, actually. It just includes one sound fix and a new map called Insurgency um, Karam. Karam. K-A-R-A-M. Don't know how to pronounce that. But, uh, Emmanuel, you're going to be writing a little review on Insurgency, aren't you? Mm-hmm. It's going to be good. I, I actually enjoy Insurgency quite a bit, and I, it has that really funky aiming system that I do like. So. Yeah, Insurgency is always one of those mods that you know, nobody knows about, but it's one of, like, the better mods. In there, the about a year and a half ago, there was a huge media blitz, and it was everywhere. It was on ModDB, Planet Half-Life, everywhere. There was tons of people playing. I haven't played it since then, but I'm sure it's still as good. <laughs> and the next on the list is uh, a little demo called Residual Life for Half-Life 1 that was released, and Dan was actually the only one who played it, so take it away. Um... It's a very, very interesting retelling of Half-Life 2. It, there Half is Life nothing... Two or Half-Life 1? What? Sorry, Half-Life 1. Okay. Really? Really? Really, bro? Uh, I'm, I'm just saying, retelling it of it? Well, when I say that, I mean, like, um, none, of the real, none of the puzzles, none of the set pieces really are original. Um, you go through a tram ride... You experience about 50 loading screens until any sort of action happens. Mm. And then everything from there, it's like, oh, that was in Blue Shift. Oh, that was in Opposing Force. I remember that from Half-Life. Oh. Now, from and, what I understand, you play as a scientist, right? Yes. Okay. So it's and almost like some, a Blue Shift Opposing Force thing. You're just it is. As a it really is. It's just... Um, there's a, um, a lot of, you could say, homages to set pieces in both all three of the um the expansions right and the main game interesting well so did i you would enjoy love playing to play through it. it say again i said did you enjoy playing through it i didn't really have a problem i thought the pacing was a bit too slow and there and a lot of the levels um were inconsistent some would be extremely long some would be about 10 seconds before you hit another loading screen right and what about custom content? It looks like they changed some, like, hand models, but that's about it. You still get the normal guns, it looks like. Yeah, there's no new weapons. It's just uh, new skins for all the web for the, all the default weapons, because you are a scientist, so you see all your, um, you see, you know, like, the scientist arms on the weapons. And they include um, 
like Otis and the uh, Grunt and Barney zombies from Opposing Force, but there's nothing you haven't seen before. Okay. And then what about uh, gameplay time? How long did it take you to beat it? I actually did not beat it. Okay. How long? How many hours or minutes did you put into it so far, though? Uh, about thirty-five. And it, I just got to a point where I had no health, and I was suddenly swamped by alien grunts, and I just said, I'm done right now. Okay, my last question, I guess, is as a demo, um, does it do a good job at showing off the game, or do you feel like you're just playing like the first couple minutes or the first couple levels of the actual game? What's, what's the deal if this is just a demo? I honestly can't answer that question since I haven't beaten it yet. Okay. It's, wait, it's a demo? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's just then why is the installer for... Why is it a one installer? It's not a one installer. It's it is, because when, when, I, when I went to install it, its default um, directory was C, Sierra, Half-Life. Yes, but it is a completely Steam mod. So Wait, people so just have that in there. It's, it's never coming out. Because the, 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 if that was the demo five years ago, it's not... Don't expect it to come out. <laughs> it didn't come out five years ago. It's just an installer that doesn't that isn't able to detect your Steam directory, so it just throws that directory out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like all the installers that would do C games Half Life. Yeah, yeah, I, I can't I can't be bothered with with the, I, if if they're gonna take the time to recreate Half Life, they should do it in Source because we've all played Half Life One a million times. Yeah, so. but I think I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to t- tell an untold story in the original Half Life series, and that is of the one of the scientist. You know what I mean? Like we got the the Barney, we got... Not just any scientist. A hazmat scientist. A hazmat scientist. Oh, shit. We got the Barney. We got the opposing force guy. We even have a mod that does the alien slave. So, I mean, scientists just follow us naturally, right? Hey, we have a headcrab mod. Yeah, and there's a headcrab mod, so... Why not? I don't... I think this is better suited in Half-Life 1. People still play Half-Life 1 mods, and I still like playing Half-Life 1. Uh, I just wish that we could just move to, to Half-Life <laughs> 2. Just... Just move to it, and everyone will be happy. Oh, yeah, and then there's like, Decay, right? Female hazmat, Decay. Yeah. Um, the mod where you play as a janitor. Yeah, there's that one, too. So, and where you... Yeah. They're just filling the gap, I guess. I Out of all the, the ways you could have played it, Opposing Force is my favorite. Me, too. I love Opposing Force. Yep. And it's funny, because it wasn't made by Valve. Not a lot of people know that, but it was not made by Valve. Not a lot of people being every single person that's played it. I've never met a person that said, wow, that wasn't made by Valve? I am so surprised. Well, no, it, it was not made by uh, It just, people genuinely, it says, generally don't know in that. In the beginning, Gearbox. Yeah, yeah it but. It says in the manual, but, made by Gearbox. But how it many people, how many people distinguish Gearbox. that difference when they actually play it, though? How many people are as into Half-Life as us and know that Valve, you, you know what I'm saying? Uh, all my friends. I've never yes, met Yes, well, some, you like don't I have said. friends, Ackard, so you can't use that as a, as a benchmark. Oh, okay. I knew it was Gearbox, though, when I first played it. Anyway, moving on. The next thing on the list was Headcrab Boss, and you said you couldn't get this working, Daniel, because it's actually missing something, like box, vol, dot, wait. Yep, well, that's log. the file. Yeah, the, the texture file. Oh, well. See you later. Mm. Not talking about you. Peace out. Yeah, I couldn't get to work either, so it's not just Ackard. <laughs> Um, next is Fistful of Frags 2.6. They released an update. Um, I'm not sure what the changelog is. I guess they got uh, new maps, new or new game mode, sorry, like Train Robbery or Prison Escort, a new ranking system, and a lot more things. Um, highly reworked maps as well. 
I really wanted to play Fistful of Frags this week, but I didn't get around to it. I, I passed judgment on the mod a long time ago, and I really shouldn't, so we should play that. Yeah. Give it a shot. Now, my friend said Fistful of Frags is really easy. You just gotta get the shotgun, and then you're, then you're good to go. <laughs> just like in Counter-Strike, you just get the AWP, and it's such an easy game. I don't, I don't find the AWP that easy, though. I'm not really... Point and click? Point and kill? <laughs> as easy as it gets. And then lastly, Zombie Panic Source released 1.6. Um... I guess they got hardcore mo mode added. I don't know what hardcore mo yeah, hardcore mode means. Um, and they got a whole bunch of new fixes and additions and tweaks. You can check out their full change log by reading the show notes. Hardcore Not that we endorse Zombie Panic Source in any shape or form, but if that's your cup of tea, go for it. Naturally. Hardcore mode probably just means that we're going to have a bunch of maps now. They're probably like ZM underscore pro underscore orange box beta one one two one. <laughs> well, I, I should, on that note, should we mention uh, Zombie Master releasing its source code? Well, we will. That is next on the list. But first, I want. Well, to we ask just what, mentioned it. <laughs> yeah, you just mentioned it. But first, I wanted to ask what everybody was up to this week. I didn't get to ask you guys last week. <sighs> Playing well, Arma Two. Yeah. Really? Why? Really? Because it's a really fun game. When did it come out? Um, Friday. But I've had the German release since it came out in uh, May. You and uh, you and Nick were looking forward to this, weren't you, William? I was looking forward to it, but it runs like I have I have the German version um, because I bought it as well, and it runs like absolute shit on my computer, like absolute shit. This game is not made for people who have, um, you know. Hobbyist, even hobbyist. If you're a gaming hobbyist, you will not be able to play this game. You need to be a gaming crazy enthusiast. You need. It's the only game I know of that recommends a quad core processor. It's ridiculous. <laughs> recommends. I'm gonna have to stop you there actually, because I've got friends with um, 68 and 7800s that are running this game just fine. I don't know. It just runs. Have so you bad have you run the latest patch yet? Uh, 101. 102. Oh, I don't think I have 102, but I have 101. Give it a shot. Yeah, I guess I could try that out. Either way, um, it, it was like the same thing with me in, in Arma 1. I played through Arma 1, and it didn't run like it didn't run good on my computer at all, so I waited like a year and a half, and then I played it again. I think I'm going to be playing Arma 2 in about a year and a half. <laughs> I, I, I want to try it out. I, I like those tactical games. I would like to give it a shot. The but... demo is on Steam. Yeah. Really, a demo? I'll have to yep. check it out. Actually, uh, I should try been... downloading the demo on Steam, see how well it runs. Yeah, I'll give it a shot and see if, if, it's, if it's just you guys. I would, uh, well, for me, though, I've been playing uh, Get a Life this week. I'm still playing it. I have not finished it yet. Wow, that is it's a long just, time. It is just so long. It's been months. And I still have to finish um, the Strider Mountain demo and the uh, Coastline Atmosphere because I really like those. But um, you played Calamity. You you messaged me and you said you played. Calamity. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Calamity was really good. I didn't like the ending, but very good. Um, it's I I'm I'm, I'm I kind of want to expect more developers to take this approach, in making the mods because we've all played millions and millions of mods where, they've gotten their point across where they've they've obviously they're decent mappers, but they don't take the time to modify the guns or the sounds or the models, etc. But Calamity actually took the time to. Put in those old combine models from the old um, from the old version of Half-Life 2, and that was really cool. 
and uh, spent a lot of time making it look good too, which is something that I think is necessary now. You have to make your light, uh, your, your mod look good for us to, for for it to really be taken seriously. Yeah, so. Connery does look beautiful. So I'm glad it, you got around to playing it. Yeah, it was very good. It, it just irked me though the ending. I I know that it's supposed to tie in a Half Life One, but the way they did it didn't really. They should have alluded to it beforehand instead of just throwing it in. So, but anyway, beyond okay. that, not much. Yeah, I've been playing Overlord too, which is a good game. I can't believe you like it. that game. It, I saw the. I saw the videos for it. It's fun. I like controlling little minions around. I loved Overlord One, so I'm just trying to beat Overlord Two. What about that other game that we were that you were talking about? Um, that's kind of like Overlord Two, from the developer of uh, Sins of Solar Empire. But are you talking about Demigod? Demigod, yeah, isn't that Demi- the same thing? That's it's cute, not, but it's not, not really the same game. Demigod is sort of like uh, Dota. And Demigod's also made by Gas Powered Games. They didn't make so- Sins of a Solar Empire. Yeah, it's the same publisher. Stardock published. Yeah. That's what he means. Anyway, okay, moving on to Media Blitz. Um, Emmanuel pretty much already alluded to it, but we missed it last week. Um, Zombie Mod. Um, Zombie Panic. Zombie Panic released their full. Or Zombie Master. God damn it. <laughs> Third time's a charm. <laughs> Zombie Master Source has released. Their full source code under the MIT license. In short, that means you can make changes to Zombie Master and release them or build a new mod on top of Zombie Master code and more. So basically, it gives you full flexibility with this source code. If you want to know how people make mods, this would probably be a good thing to look at. It's only 10 megs, which is awesome for a full source code. So... Grab this, grab like Eclipse or Visual Basic or whatever, or Visual Studio, I don't know. VisualStudio.net 2003 or 2005 or 2008 are the only compilers that will compile the um, Half-Life 2 source code. You can get it for free now. um, Microsoft offers it for free in the entire suite, so go ahead and get that. Right, so there you go. Download that, download the source code if you want to take a look at it. I'm sure it'll be interesting to look at, um, and you can see how, you know, Zombie Master did their shit, which is really cool. I'm glad they released their source code. More mods that close down need to do this. I'm Mad props off to them, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. That's what community is all about. That's what community sort of development is all about, is helping each other. So oh, Maybe they can make a fun version. Well, <laughs> the corner with you. Zombie... Uh, Zombie Master really didn't close down. They just finished the mod. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what I meant. Which you don't uh, see very often. <laughs> okay, Finishing moving things. on. The Sven Co-op mapping contest has an update, which I guess is pertinent. They There's some new uh, prizes, which include the Neosis, Noesis, Nesis. Yeah, How do you say it? I don't know. Nick probably knows. It's Noesis. 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 Yeah. Okay, so the Noesis uh, um, suite of um, instruction videos and all that. So it's kind of like a catch-22. You can win and then get this, which you probably don't need because you won because you're already good, or <laughs> you can lose it and not get it because you need you it. So. You don't have it in the first place. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's a great prize right there. They should actually should be, if you lose, you get this, and everyone else gets the money. <laughs> Don't don't try and explaining explain that to them. So, but that uh, contest doesn't matter, right? The real contest that matters right now that's going on is DM2SP. Right, DM2SP Every, is where it's at. 
Everybody needs to go to DM number two sp.com and start converting some deathmatch to single player maps. We not got num- we what's that? Not the num not number two as it's the the actual okay DM and then the keyboard num key two mm-hmm. hit they that understand. and then SP. Yeah, they they understand. I didn't. But. <laughs> we got an entry. Somebody converted lockdown. Or yeah, I saw that. Someone sent it to me, and if it worked, I would have loved it. <laughs> I, I haven't tried it yet. It doesn't work. No, it it works. It's just uh, it, it's just there's like two or three things you need to iron out, and then it'll be awesome. But it's really cool. It's one of the. It's actually the first time I've ever. Uh, I, I shouldn't go into reviewing it because I'm going to tease these people. So never mind. Play it. I am shocked and amazed that uh, Philip from Planet Philip is heading up this. I would have never guessed. Yeah, really. <laughs> Well, we we announced it last week on Podcast 17. I'm trying to plug it every week so that people create maps. Honestly, this is going to be awesome. All you have to do, it should be easy for mappers out there. Just get source files from, like, your favorite mappers. Just say, hey, I want to enter your map into this DM2SP contest if they made a DM map. And then you can just, like, tweak around with it. Throw some entities in there. Just have some L- fun. Listen, uh... Philip, if you're if you're listening to this, I, I have a question that I forgot to ask. If if can someone submit a uh, a, 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 a deathmatch map from another game like Quake Three or Half Life One? I think that would be a little difficult. I think I think our Philip's answer to that would be yes, so long as it works in vanilla Half Life Two and they have permission in from the authors, you know. Okay. Oh no, just we just got a response. No, you can't. It has to be Half-Life oh. 2. Okay. But I'm saying can they convert a map from like Quake 3 and then use that layout in Half-Life 2 and the source engine and then do it that way? Or does it have to be originally a Half-Life 2 deathmatch map? Crossfire would make a great single player map. Yeah. Maybe that's just because out. I love Crossfire too much. I love Crossfire too. Yeah. Wait, we we still No. Oh. Well, that's why William has no... I mean, Philip has no friends. He just uh, gives that answer. <laughs> Alright, so, moving on. That was going to um, be my next question, but... <laughs> Actually, you can continue, Emmanuel. You... City 17, Episode 1. Really? Really. They did three-part update. Winchester Zero. Yeah, but... I'm From just, Mr. Two I, video cards. I just don't get the point of this. Wait, you don't get the idea of using head tracking, using the face API in a Half-Life 2 game? Because, no. let me just tell you right now, that's fucking sweet. Yeah, it is. It's beyond <laughs> sweet. <laughs> Let's just make that certain right there. I would, ju- I would just love for um, another game aside from Arma to be able to use IR tracker worth a damn. Mm-hmm. But what about this other thing here? This um, this maxi distribution system. The True. Stats. This isn't as interesting, but <clears throat> this just shows you that City Seventeen Episode One and the developer the developers of this mod are thinking way outside the box. They're developing more than just a couple maps and some models. They're really getting down to looking at how their mod works, looking at how people take it, looking at how they okay. play it. And have, also adding new engine things that will totally change the way okay. your game works. Well, two things. First of all, they, they have a chart here of the people who install and how far they get into the mod. Mm-hmm. Only 32% complete it. But more worryingly, they haven't installed, which is 100%, right? So 100% of the people, 53, installed it. And then only 39 launched it. Even launched it. 
So 73% of the people, which is 27% of the people just downloaded and installed it and then forgot about it. So that leads me to believe that either A, people do not like video games and just like downloading and installing things, or B, <laughs> people have severe, severe short-term memory problems. <laughs> One of those things. Matthew Dryden from Modular Combat just messaged me. He says, Maxi looks awesome. Automatic updates for mods. It'll update the mod every time you start it. And he goes on to quote saying, Maxis or Maxi distribution is a content server-based system where the mod software using it can implement a Maxi distribution.dll with little effort. The system both installs the mod, but it also updates the mod when it's launched and any updates are found. The system can also track statistics. The limit for that is really only what people can decide on to track on their mods. Um, and then he goes on saying his largest problem with the system is the lack of bandwidth. Um, his blah, 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 his own server cannot handle up the bandwidth, well, blah, blah, blah. But either way, if this is released, this gives a lot of people an alternate but option to something like Steam. But let me let me just get this straight. Didn't we suggest this ourselves on the podcast a few well, months ago? Of course ago? we did. Of course people want this. We're not the only ones who would suggest no, no, something like that. We were the ones who first came up with the idea, where are our royalties? This is no, this is not going to happen. We want our 15% of the pie if this makes money. I'm not mm-mm. Just because they executed my idea doesn't mean I don't get any money from it. Mm-hmm. So, sure. I want money for this, which is I'm going to have to start breaking kneecaps. I got baseball bats. I'm not afraid. I've got all kinds of people that will help me out on this. So you, you hear done? that, Maxi? You're going to get shot. Better watch out. Either way, this looks cool. And this head is, tracking is thing cool. is also cool. Uh, this The first video isn't working for me. Is it working for anybody else? I want to rewatch it. Uh, yeah, it's working for me. But I don't get the – I think the whole oh, head yeah, it's working thing for me is stupid. Now. What's like, that? I think this whole head thing is kind of stupid. That's okay, though. I mean, at least they're doing something differently, right? They say it works right now in uh, an Episode 1 engine feature, but they're currently porting it over to the orange box, which is badass. Uh, anyway, Daniel, any other thoughts on this? Because uh, you're sort of the, the developer here and seeing this in Half-Life. I think it would be erection? great, but I also think it would be great if um, Valve would just open up Steam for mods instead of cherry-picking mods. I really think that would be... Mm, going to have to disagree with you there. Because in every every little crummy mod, like Headcrab um, mod and, and, re- and, and Half-Life release or whatever, they're all going to get on Steam and you're going to have this flood of crap. And that's not going to be good. Yeah, I agree. I agree with Emmanuel. Um, the thing is, I'm, I'm re-watching this head-tracking thing again. And the thing is that I don't like about it is you literally, in order to, like, sort of look left, you have to, like, swap or swing your head, like, over to the right. Yeah. Like, not looking at the screen. That's sort of a shame. It'd be nice if you can just sort of sway your head and it sort of works like a touchpad. Like, if if your head is at the very side of the screen, it'll just constantly move until you center it again. Does that make sense to anybody? Yeah. Yeah, I understand the problem there. But... I, I just think it's it's just like the Novan Falcon. It's a gimmick, and unless they implement it really cheaply, very easily, and with as little hassle as poss- possible, I don't see it working out. But that's just me. It could be something that just adds a little bit more realism, though. Not necessarily that you have to depend on the face tracking. Just something... I, I hate to go back to Arma, but Arma does it really well in that um, 
you can move your head separately from the way you're moving your character. So if you're just sitting there and say if you like adjust in your chair, your head moves with that too and sort of your head moves in game. That would be something that adds a little bit more realism, a little bit more complexity to the game and sort of throws you more into the feel of the game. Yeah, but could you imagine parents around the world looking at their children like flicking their heads around and wondering what the hell is going on? I like I said, though, not part. something to that extreme. Just something like if you adjust in your chair, your your player would like look around just just subtly. You'd yeah. still be able to play your game. And naturally, the only people that play video games are children living at home with their parents. <laughs> yeah, good portion of them. Actually, going back to what you said earlier, though, Ackard, I, I I think I understand what you're saying about Steam, though. Uh, maybe they could implement tools so that you it's they're not publishing My... these people, but they're just giving them a set of tools for automatic updating and all that. Yeah, my only issue is, is like, I understand there does have to be a filtering at some level. And, like, there should be an application process. So, um, nude Alex mod beta 2.0 doesn't get alongside, say, insurgency or something. But the thing with Steam and Steamworks is that it opens up in a completely new avenue for advertising for mods that they did not have before. Because a lot of people that would be able to play mods, like, say, CS players... And people that own other source games usually don't check ModDB. The only thing they do is they launch Steam, they click from the store tab to the game tab, and then they launch CS. But at least with um, Steam and Steamworks, the update dialog comes out and it's like, hey, new mod on Steam. Click here to download. And then at least they'll give it a shot. Yeah. The, I think automatic updating is, would be a huge feature that they need to implement. And it, it is a problem because... Then you're then you're bringing a sense of liability to Steam in terms of viruses and, and malware, but you know I I think people will take a risk with that by by saying okay I trust these mod developers I will do this I, I will I trust install the it. distribution platform as well. Yeah, it's, it's all I, about the distribution platform, not necessarily the developers. The, it yeah. should be up to the distribution platform to figure out whether or not something is gonna mess up your game in terms of viruses or. Yeah, like I said, an application process, but not the cherry-picking that they do right now. Now, Nick Nick poses an interesting question in, in chat here, and he noticed this, and I it sparked my interest as well. He, he thinks that all Steamwork mods work with Half-Life 2 and the SDK, so not the Orange Box engine. Is that true? Are there any Steamwork mods that, that work That is false. Um, I believe Empire... Uh, not Empire's... Uh, What's the space? Eternal Silence is an orange box mod. Zombie Panic Source is an orange box mod. Mm. So you need the orange you box. You do not it? need the orange box. Anyone that only has Half Life 2 or Episode 1 can go to the Tools tab right now and download okay. the Source SDK so based orange box. So when you go to install those mods, it'll tell you you have to download the Source SDK based orange box. Yes. That's why, that's why on Steam it just says you need Half Life 2. Yes. All right, All right fair enough. I can I can honestly say I do not know a single person in the world, or, well, not in the world, but uh, any of my friends who does not have, have episode two. Just any I know, I, but it's just it was just interesting to see that none of them require episode two. Yeah. On the yeah. Steamworks page. Anyway, move on. Next thing, mm -hmm. you're gonna love it. Nope. Next thing is uh, by Nora Source. <laughs> okay. Next thing is Firearm Source mod update. This is cool because no, normally it's not cool. I don't care about the weapon render. 
Um, great, there's a new map. But they're adding customized face stuff, and they have a screenshot showing it. That, that is off. cool. Yeah, that is not going to happen. What makes you think that they can, they can do just that? Like, just like hey, the original Fire hey, hey, hey. Emmanuel, it is so simple. It's just a, um, it's a sub model on the, on the player model, and you just have a dialogue that you choose it. It's not that hard. So okay, cool. so it's just a sub model of a model render of an XSI format model that you have to implement through the 3D Studio Max external Majigabobber. No, that's not going to happen. Period. It's just not. I, Why it happened with Fire Why is worrying about it, stupid shit like, instead of releasing Insurgency the mod? has already done it. <laughs> so yes, yes it will happen because it has already happened. Release the damn mod. Stop doing all the stupid shit and just yeah. release it. Just release it. Do it. Yeah, you're right. But I'm just glad they're going that they've announced they did this because the original firearms were doing this. Do you guys remember playing Hostile Intent? Yes. They did that too for uh, for Half-Life 1. Yeah, and uh, Desert Crisis did it for Half-Life. Uh, sorry, Desert Crisis. That's the mod I was thinking of. Okay. Which one's Hostile Intent? Oh, okay, okay never mind. Really, really, really realistic get shot once and die mod. Okay. No, I'm okay. thinking Desert Crisis. Thank you. Never mind. I take back what I said. I, I I misunderstood what this was. So yes, this this is okay. Never mind. But I still am angry that they're worrying about stupid little things yeah. like faces instead of releasing the damn thing. Well, this they're trying to make it a lot like the is a, it is a team of people, and that the modeler that does the player models does not influence the code <laughs> that is being written okay. for the rest okay, of the model. No, you're right. Map, that, that's exactly why. That's exactly why they're releasing screenshots of their unfinished mod with Counter Strike Source placeholder models. That's the modeler's fault, definitely. That 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 just I don't get it. Why, why don't they just release a mod? If Philip was here, he would be with, with me on this. Just stop releasing updates and release your damn mod. And maybe, William, their model, maybe their player model just was in the mood to go, I'm going to make a few heads. And then the coder was like, we can use those heads. Is yeah, forget, really forget the fact we don't have any bodies to attach those heads to. Let's just go ahead and make some heads. Why not? Anyway. I'll just start somewhere. Anyway, either way, it's cool. I'm glad they're I'm glad they're sticking to the original firearms, but you're right. They should be releasing their mod. Move on to the Biosaurus gameplay. Mm. Now, I, I I genuinely have no idea what's going on here. Okay, <laughs> this was posted actually in the agenda topic, you know, like the form thing, um, which is interesting because I took a look at it, and it is if you watch the first, let's say, 15 seconds of the... No, not 15 seconds. Let's say 30 seconds of this gameplay, you've pretty much seen the full 10 minutes and 13 seconds. All it is is just a gameplay demo of them playing around in DM Sacred. It's just, a, if you don't know what Bysornor's party is or whatever, it's a mod about these Care Bears who, and these e-built Care Bears came and raided their homeland and gave them drugs and, like, paraphernalia. So now they're all these crazy Care Bears. It's really fucked up. Um, but this is just a gameplay video of, sort of, their mod. Um, it looks very, very deathmatch. Death. Yeah, it's Magic got based. it's got a Quake or uh, Deathmatch Classic esque um, movement, so that seems pretty cool. But you, it's funny. We always see mods like this once a week. We always see a mod that has these zany color schemes and these weird um, just models and everything, but they never come out. They, I mean, well, they we just never see them again, do we? I'm um, I'm sure we're going to be seeing this. I can almost guarantee it. Yeah, they so. did release that one first version, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I hate to on. say it, I would right. love to play this mod if it wasn't so visually obnoxious. Because yeah. it looks really fast gameplay. I don't I don't think I'm going to like this mod. I really don't. 
It's going to be really fun because the gameplay looks brilliant, but it just it looks it's really silly. Maybe that'll be good. Who knows? Maybe we'll play it and like it. All right. Continue. Orion. Yep. Orion. Good. Again. Right? Halo yeah, this was that Halo mod. Yeah. Uh, weird. It's one of those mods that kind of came out of left field. We didn't really expect much from it, and we're getting wowed every time we see it. Yeah, this gameplay video is badass, man. Honestly, their their vegetation it's 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 essentially showing off their nature element, quote unquote. But the vegetation in this mod looks absolutely awesome. The the map they're displaying is just incredible. Even like the weapon render and the HUD just looks awesome already, even though they're not displaying something like that. And then they go into the vehicle drive system, which is cool as hell. I, yeah, it looks if I may for a moment. Yep. Um, the, my only issue with this mod is that they restarted like three times now. This was originally in a mod, a mod for Half-Life 1, back before Half-Life 2 was even announced. Mm. And we've come this far, and this is about, this is about their third restart, because they used to be, I can't remember what it was called in Half-Life 1, then it became the, um, basically the Halo Dinosaurs mod. Then they, um, restarted that, they added their own unique concepts, and they restarted again and became Orion. And now we've come our, we've come all the way back here, again. That's my only issue, and I really hope they actually release this time because yeah, it does look fantastic. Fan fucking fantastic. It's awesome. Anyway, that's it's really what the video is about. Um, there's not much else to say there. They have other media updates, but it it seems very professional. It just I don't I don't see. I, I wish there was more news on when it's going to come out, et cetera, et cetera. So anyway, next on the list, the very last media update before we get into the interview and stuff, um, and we got this from uh, Matthew Dryden again, and it's the Modular Combat 1.75 turrets. I didn't get a chance to watch it. I'm going to, I don't know, did anybody get a chance to watch it yet? Which Not one? Yet. This turrets video. Tourist video? No, turrets, as in miniguns. I'm going to take a leap of faith and guess that, they, that this video does include turrets of some flavor and that they may possibly be player aligned. <laughs> it says, description is Matthew logs into the game to test out the new turrets. There are several other major changes, so he doesn't, ex he doesn't talk about what the turrets are doing. It looks like you can drop turrets. Okay, cool. That's awesome. I'm excited. Super cool. Excellent. I like dropping turrets. Mm -hmm. And they seem to work a lot like the, uh, you know, the laser guns work. And, you know, the turrets in normal Half-Life 2. So, that's pretty badass. And I think that's it. So, expect to see turrets in the new version of Modular Combat. Modular Combat 2, Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> it's going to be cool. Modular Combat is fun now. It's getting awesome. And it let was me just... fun when it came out. Yeah. Um... Mm, that's arguable. It's Meanwhile, fun really now. Not. Let's just it, who cares about the past because now the current is just badass because mm -hmm. modular combat's awesome. Um, Matt Matthew has been talking to me about some of the things that he plans on doing, and it's, it blow your mind. I don't want to tell you about it, but it really will blow your mind if I did tell you about it. Matthew, <laughs> so, you never call anymore. I think I think he's like planning this for like a 2.0 release or something like that. It's going to be badass. Modular combat's going to be awesome when he implements all the things that he hopes to put in there. And it really won't be that difficult, I don't think. Modular do. combat 2.0, modular harder. <laughs> anyway, either way, we're going to take a little intermission. Actually, no, first First topic, topic of the week. First topic of the week. Yeah, um, TF2 we'll get... Machinima, it's just a silly little video about the heavy. Yeah. 
venturing on Amazon.com. Pretty silly. The person who made it's a furry, so tread lightly. There's also if if you go into the uh, more from Kitty O seven O six, there's a, a cool little video called the Opture Science Test Course Part One and Part Two. It's uh, generally funny. Uh, there, it's sort of long too. It's about these two guys who get thrown in the Aperture Test Facility. Um, so those are two interesting machinimas. You should check out uh, Kitty's sort of playlist. He's got some good stuff, or she, or he. I don't know. It's it. only a quasi playlist, so be warned. Right. Right. So it's cool if you want to check out some machinimas and uh, blast from the past. Before we get into our interview, and I get we take our little intermission here. I want to just say, over the week, I found a mod that I worked on. It was called Listen Carefully. And uh, don't let the cat out of the bag, William. I thought we we're gonna make a, a podcast seventeen version. We will, but why can't I share Listen Carefully? Because I want to surprise the listeners. No, 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 no. This well, the is surprise awesome. is gone. I hope you're happy. This is too awesome to give up. Um, it's called Listen Carefully, and basically what it is is my friends and I, probably like eight years ago, <laughs> that was a long time ago, we replaced all the sounds in original Half-Life 1 Deathmatch. Now, it never fully worked in Steam until this week when I decided, hey, I want to get this working in Steam, so I want to do it. Um, so we act- I actually converted it to Steam. It works perfectly now. Um, the four of us were playing, and it's basically just us mouthing every single sound in Half-Life Deathmatch. It can get rather annoying. Some parts are funny. Um, I did that exact same thing. <laughs> oh it's my really, God. It's I'm really good. Right I actually now. liked it. It's, really it's funny. It's uh, it's like 70 mags, and basically all it is is a sound mod. You'll install it, and you'll see that there'll be a mod called Listen Carefully 2 in your Steam list, and uh, and basically you can play Half-Life Deathmatch with me and my friends mouthing all the sounds. William, how large is a mag? A mag? A meg. Meg. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm going to try to get the link. I think it's... Uh, we'll get it for you guys later. Check the show notes for all the live stream listeners out there. Um, check the show notes when we post it on Tuesday and all the normal listeners. Check the show notes if you want to download it. It'll be called Listen Carefully. That's the mod. And uh, Emmanuel and I hope to do, in the Podcast 17 group, hope to do a redux of this for Half-Life 2. Called mm-hmm. Listen Carefully Source. It's going to be badass. Alright, so we got the Smashball team on Podcast 17 right now. We have Justin and Mike from Smashball, of course. Um, Justin's nickname is Krenzo. Is that how you pronounce that? Krenzo? Yes, Krenzo? that's correct. And Mike's is just, I guess, Mike? Warm Fuzzy. Warm Fuzzy, Warm Fuzzy, thank you. <laughs> um, and we and they're from the Smashball team, so welcome, guys. Welcome to Podcast, guys. Glad to be here. So first Thanks off, tell us, tell us what Smashball is. I mean, you guys can basically take the, the questions... However you want. So, okay, Smashball is, we are calling it a first-person sports shooter. So it is uh, somewhere between international online soccer with guns and maybe a death match with a ball. There are two teams, one ball, two goals, and the object is to get the ball in the other team's goal. Right. It's class-based team play. Uh, we changed the... Uh, lethality model quite a bit so you just kind of get knocked down most of the time and get right back up in a couple of seconds um, unlimited ammo auto heal so you don't have to run around pick up health packs or worry about ammo or anything like that and uh, it's a lot of fun We it was uh, pretty well received we had about 
50,000 uniques in our database um, after the Steam launch weekend. Wow. Well, how did, speaking of that, how did you guys get uh, released on Steam? What did you, how did you actually approach Valve and, and, and get that done? Went uh, right in the front door. Um, just <laughs> talked to basically many, many emails between myself and um, the business development guy, Mike Dunkel, uh, at Valve. And then we got in touch with their technical team and, um, you know, it took some time, but then we had to sort out some issues. But uh, it was basically all human stuff, all human factors that got us on Steam. Awesome. And you know what? It's almost like Smash Ball is on the fast track to success because it was only uh, almost a couple months ago when we first heard about Smash Ball. And you guys are already on Steamworks. I mean, uh, did you have to do anything special to get this quickly out on there? Because there have been mods that have been trying to do this. For, for months now, you know? Uh, there's a couple of things there. One is that we have, uh, we do have a, a couple of seed investors. Uh, myself and a couple of other guys have put a little money into it. Um, and we do want to take it commercial, and I made that very clear to them. Um, so that was probably a little bit of a factor. Um, also, we did a lot of work since that initial release um, where there was a lot of placeholder art and, you know, a couple, we got kind of panned because of the, uh, Things like the watermelons and the half-life guns and and stuff like that, but and the grenade. all of that stuff. <laughs> yeah, and the grenade. And, and yeah, there were there were many things like that. All of that stuff has been replaced. Mm -hmm. Where so, where the hell where the hell did it come from? Because I never heard of it, and then apparently William kind of knew about it, but I didn't know about it until the Steam weekend. Well, why didn't you guys have your updates and and your PR on it? Well, I should have known about it, but I, I did. didn't. I think it did too. Really? Yeah, it was, I, I remember vividly uh, being on Steam, and then I saw it on the SA forums. Mm -hmm. Well, Smash Ball is definitely interesting. It's much, it's much different mod than any other mods we see either on Steamworks or just generally in the community. Um, but before we get into you know sort of the mod, why don't you guys explain what what each other does with the mod, and maybe talk about some of the other the other team members as well who aren't here with us. Okay. Um, actually, Krenzo, if you want to start, Krenzo is the lead coder and uh, the technology expert, um, kind of source engine expert in general. Yeah, I'm the lead coder, pretty much the only coder on the Half-Life 2 side of things right now. You know, brought my experience over from working on Empires. Right. Um, and I came on a project February 2008. And first, first thing we did was the grappling hook, and then just work from there. What other previous experience past Empires did you have? Did you work on any things for Half-Life 1 or anything like that? Uh, Half-Life 1, I did just some plugins for fun. Mm -hmm. um, and then worked on the Battlefield 1942 version of Empires, and then moved to Half-Life 2. Did the Empires on there. Yeah. And Mike? Um, I'm sort of the lead pointy hair. Um, <laughs> so I, I'm also the sysadmin. Um, so you can blame some of the website scaling problems on me. Um, <laughs> I also wrote, I'm like the weakest uh, coder, I guess, on the team. So I get all the tools kind of jobs. So like the original uh, updater and installer, I wrote that stuff. It was very hacky, but you know, hey, it worked. Mm -hmm. What about some of the other people on your team? So there is uh, Steve Debon, Voodoo C. He is uh, he does the web code and he is the lead designer. 
Um, and right now he's the producer, although we're turning over producer responsibilities to um, another guy who just joined, Michael Skip C. Um, we've is, got. Oh, what does the go producer ahead. do? Uh, it's it's the project management role. It's kind of like wrangling all of the tickets, all of the to dos. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, there's a fair amount of wrangling. We've got a we're we might be a little too rigorous about it for a mod, but we do want to take this commercial. So we have a nice ticketing system, project management system, and just make sure you know it's hurting the cats <laughs> in in you line s- with our goals. Yeah, you well, sound like that, you've got a sorry. Well, but it's definitely noticeable because when you play the mod, you don't you don't see things that are left out. It's a complete conversion. It's almost like its own its, its own game. So, you yeah. can definitely tell that you guys do that. And I There's think a- what Daniel was building up to is that you guys do seem really organized over other mods. Um, can you give us some more sort of pointers for any other developers out there? Because a lot of developers listen to this podcast. Um, could you give them some sort of pointers or tips onto how they can be a little bit more organized or some suits to follow? Um, I could. Um, honestly, a lot of the organization comes from just our general business business experience. I can definitely tell you the last time that uh, uh, Steve and I worked together on a mod, we were not this organized. <laughs> um, and, you know, it was many years ago. And since then, we've just gained a lot of experience working in the uh, corporate universe on um, teams and on distributed teams particularly. And so we were able to bring that to uh, Smashball. Um, basically, we've um, a code repository really is number one, um, a well-organized code repository so that uh, artists and um, coders can have their own working copy locally and, and do updates and submit them easily so that everybody else can see. Thing number two is a distributed... Um, messaging system and you got to make sure that everybody's on that all the time because uh the more communication uh when you have a distributed team you need a lot of communication because that kind of gets the ball rolling it motivates everybody when they see everybody else making progress um and then thing number three is do not discount the producer position (laughs) (laughs) you, you do need someone in charge of herding the cats and moving them all toward the goal and making sure that you don't have gigantic bottlenecks like, oh, we've only got one mapper, but we've got like three or five maps to work on, or we've only got one prop modeler and we've got this gigantic list of assets. So those are the I, few tips off the top of my head. I like the idea of having collocated um, um, points to work on, like having a list of stuff that goes to, to go through and, and making sure it gets done, because that's, that seems to be the downfall of a, lot, of a lot of mods, that they have all these ideas and they start working on them all at once, but... They don't have the resources to get through each one of them individually, so they just end up dwelling off. Speaking from experience, yeah, organization is the hardest thing to ever come across in a mod team. For sure. Seems you guys really hit the nail on the head. Now, in terms of Smashball development, where are you guys right now in the timeline of things? Are you guys pretty much done Smashball? Um, are you just working on updates? Are you going to be adding new features anytime soon? Or are you guys hoping to move on to a more retail environment sometime soon? We, we do want to move on to um, a more retail environment. Um, essentially, uh, I'll, I'll get to that in a moment, uh, but essentially okay. we, are, we are just about feature complete on the core game. Um, there are some add-ons we want to add. Um, as far as content goes, obviously we want to add more weapons. We want to add more skills. 
we want to add custom gear. So new helmets, new boots, new hook, new gloves that all improve your character in um, very small incremental ways. Uh, the design goal there is to keep um, keep skill a major factor in the game. We don't want someone to be able to come in and just grind, 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 and get all the good stuff and be able to kick Boom's ass. Um, <laughs> we definitely want skill to be, to to factor in all the time. Um, the other things that we're working on are metagame stuff. So the team and league management stuff, we're a little behind on it, uh, but that's being worked on in the background um, once we get the stability issues out of the way. Uh, so, so team and league management. Oh, go ahead. So you don't just see this as like a little mod or a game that you want to release. You actually are keeping the pro players in mind? Definitely. Um, that's actually a big factor, we feel, in making um, Smash Ball successful. Uh, we actually already have a couple of players with fanboys, which we think is awesome. That's, uh, <laughs> that's when your mod is really taken off, is when you have fanboys of the fanboys. We, we actually have a lot of videos posted on YouTube. There's a, uh, if you search for Smashball TV on YouTube and go to that channel, you can see all kinds of playtester um, content. And these playtesters have been playing for months and months and months. And they are, some of these guys are really freaking good. Yeah. And they're awesome to watch. And some of, there's, there's a couple, you can really see like plays developing. You can see a lot of really good passing. Um, so I would encourage people who are new to the mod to go watch uh, some of those pro playtester matches. Speaking what? about that, we talk about learning curves a lot on this podcast. Um, there's been other mod teams, and I've asked the same question for them, and they've all answered differently. Um, one thing that I've noticed about Smashball, though, is as soon as you get into a public server, you get dominated. And it's a little bit discouraging because people are so good at this game. And as a new player, and as somebody like myself who, who doesn't really like sports-type mods, um, can get rather frustrated when you're playing Smashball because everything's moving so fast and you know so fluid and you're just sort of caught up in the dust. Um, is there anything you're offering to the sort of those new players who are just getting into things, you know, sort of besides the training as well? There's, a, there's actually a couple of things. I'll, I'll let Krenza go into detail in a minute on the um, kind of the AI aspect. But uh, two things that we want to do that we have not implemented yet. One, we are very aware that the tutorial in no way prepares you for the speed of the game right. when you get into a public match. We're totally, we're, we're painfully aware of that. And so <laughs> what we're trying to do is add um, enough AI so that you can actually play a game at your skill level solo on your own machine um, with a bunch of bots so that you can kind of start scaling up your skills with the hook and with passing and with ball movement and chasing the ball before you get out into a, a public server. Um, thing number two is we want to reduce uh, the experience points and advancement benefits for advanced players, for, for more pro players, for playing with noobs, kind of the way a massively multiplayer online game does with noob areas. You don't see high-level guys hanging out in the noob areas because they don't get any benefits from hanging out there. And we yeah. want to do the same thing with Smashball. We basically only want to give the pro players uh, a benefit when they're playing in scrims and matches. Now, is there any move to something along a single-player environment? I mean, you mentioned bots, but I'm thinking more of something like UT3, where you can actually play through a whole single-player campaign, go through a sort of ladder thing, um, almost like a whole fully-fledged competition, and then once you beat that, I think people would be more apt to be playing multiplayer, you know, with the professional, so to speak. Are you yeah, looking towards something like that? That's planned, the goalie bots. 
are the first step to that. Mm -hmm. um, the goalie bots were really implemented because when you don't have the goalie, the game doesn't work. <laughs> and and also so that people, uh, a lot of people, they'll go from the tutorial and they'll start their own game, and then that way they can just go against the goalie bot and practice a little bit. But the goalie bot is definitely the first step, and then the plan is to have bots for all the other positions so that, yes, people can play. They can go from the tutorial to a bot-filled game that are playing at their level mm -hmm. and prepare them to go multiplayer. But then um, it's up in the air how far we want to go with that as far as single-player campaign and stuff. But really, it's our goal is to transition people from the tutorial to multiplayer. Right. I'm glad. I'm glad you're addressing that issue because I, uh, speaking, this is coming from someone who's played an innumerable amount of hours in Counter Strike Pro and uh, Quake Three Deathmatch, and I would consider myself pretty good at Deathmatch. The second I got into Smash Ball, I was just, just scared i had no idea what was going on i i played the training but it was still so fast and i just didn't know what to do and that i think that's a big that's gonna be a big crutch for you guys but it's i'm glad that you guys are addressing it you seem to really have your ducks in the line <laughs> I, I would yeah. say that once because we are working on the team and league management stuff it will uh, once we have uh you know once krenzo uh implements bots which is no easy task completely uh, we will. It'll be fairly trivial to build a single-player league management system where you can just kind of uh, play at home against bots that are scaled to your skill level. Then, mm -hmm. okay. Um, just a couple of things. Uh, you guys have done a great job with the community. Uh, how did that come about? How did, what do you, What do you think was the biggest part of getting such a tightly um, knitted community together? Uh, I, you know, we had the pieces in place for it. Um, we, all of us, uh, Krenzo and Steve and I have had experience building uh, smaller online communities. And I mean, in Empire's case, it was a bigger online community. Um, we, the Steam, the, the little snafu on our initial attempt at launching, um, apparently someone at Valve forgot to turn off a counter. So Smashball said it was available and it showed up at the top of the available list before it was available. <laughs> So what happened is like 10,000 people came flocking to the website to see what was going on. Oh, and, and a lot of those people stuck. And so now the forums are really, really active. Um, we've got people, you know, we've got a lot of representation from um, the United States, of course, uh, from Canada, from Australia, and from all over Europe, particularly Germany and the UK. And uh, I, I guess we just, we, you know, we pay a lot of attention. We troll the forums. Uh, we watch our Google Analytics, and we kind of follow those inbound links out to wherever people are posting about Smashball elsewhere and try to chat in those forums as well. Yeah, that's, that's a good way. Of, I don't think people realize how important Google Analytics is. We use it, too, for Podcast 17, and it really does help a lot. It is understanding, awesome. Understanding where your base is coming from, it helps. Oh, my God, does it ever help. Um, yeah, a lot of these forums, like the first poster determines everybody's opinion on the game. Yeah. So you'll see some of these forums and the first person's like, hey, this looks good, but oh, I played it and sucks. And then you got 10 people echoing, yeah, it sucks, I'm never going to play it. And <laughs> it helps if you can find those and try to 
say, hey guys, what was the problem? Maybe try this. <laughs> or even be the first poster and say, man, this mod's awesome! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we did have a lot of playtester traffic on the, well, it, you know, out of the 10 or 15 playtesters that we had, we had a, we, those guys had traffic on the forums when that initial wave came, so I think Krenz was right. That, the posts by them influenced the, uh, that flock of noobs coming to the forums quite a bit. How important are the playtesters to you guys? I mean, a game like this, I would assume that you need to be playtesting to no end. I can, I can imagine the playtesters are better than the developers at actually playing the game. Um, but, I mean, do you think they drive the community as well in that sense? I, uh, yeah, they, uh, I mean, they, those are the guys that I was talking about that actually have fanboys. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, guys like... Uh, you know, at the risk of missing a whole bunch of important people, um, uh, Kamika Boom and Kamikaze Melon and Dizzy One are all—they uh, all feature prominently in our gameplay videos on YouTube. And I actually heard that Boom was getting so spammed with friend requests on Steam that he started chatting on Xfire. <laughs> wow. He's that so you're you're building an empire here of of un, unbeatable players. You're you're making your own little league. Well, the idea, um, one of the big things behind Smashball, uh, Steve and I were wondering why nobody ever made a uh, TV show out of a video game. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, you go start watching some of the content, and no offense to any of the players or, or developers or anything, but, but watching stuff like Quake 4 or Counter-Strike, um, even if it's well commentated, is kind of tough. And it's, even as a gamer, it's, it's not that visually appealing. And as a spectator out of the blue, it's impossible to watch. And so the yeah. first design filter we pass every feature through is, is this fun to watch? Hmm. And, and so we, I, it, it, once we get our camera control down, and I think if we add some commentators, that stuff that's on YouTube will become extremely watchable. Now that's a direction that we don't see a lot of mods take. We've interviewed a lot of people, and I've never heard anybody say those exact words, is it fun to watch? That is very important visually as well. So, huh. I never thought of that. Wow. Sort of blew my mind. (laughs) One one thing we've always harped on is that people will release mods or, in most cases, not release mods. And one thing we always like to see is, in the case of Neo Tokyo and with Smashball, with you guys, is that you spend a lot of time on the PR and making the mod, you know, follow a set of standards and making it look good, making it appetizing to the players. Because without the players, the mod isn't going to go anywhere. So is that, is that really hard for you guys to do? Or have you made sure that you take time aside to make sure that uh, it's approachable and, and it's easy to, to, to get out there? You know, I'll let Krenzo. Krenzo kind of thumped us on the first time out of the gate because we did not spend enough time on uh, PR. It is shockingly time-consuming. Yeah. Yep. It's that was gonna be amazing. My, Amazing how important PR is when you look at commercial games and that the budget for their PR is just as much as the budget for making the game. <laughs> and most of the time you see these commercial games, they have thousands of players, and the whole thing is that they got the word out and in all these advertising mediums. And then that stable player base, is only like 10% of all the people who actually heard of the game or played it. Mm-hmm. So it's really important for mods to get the word of mouth because you don't have the money, you don't have that big budget for the PR, so you got to get the word of mouth going. And like Empire's first release, 
had huge word of mouth because it was one of the earlier mods and had a lot of features that people wanted. And just from that word of mouth got thousands of players playing. And then compare that to Smash Ball where it first released in December, um, Mike and Steve wanted a quiet release. They just wanted to put it out there and get you know a couple people playing, whereas I'm coming from Empires, like, no, we need lots of players. We need a lot of people to look at the game because only a certain amount are going to stay around. And then sure. beta version, you need all those people playing the game to find the bugs and stuff. So our first release didn't get a lot of people, and now that we went on Steam, we've got tons of people playing, finally finding all the bugs that we missed before. And I think that's what Emmanuel was sort of addressing beforehand about uh, him not being in the loop, so to speak. I had the privilege earlier on this week actually playing the original release and then playing the Steamworked release and seeing how far you've actually come in terms of asset, asset development. And I can say for sure that the game has, you know, entirely changed, taken a whole new direction. But anyway, um, not a whole new direction in terms of gameplay, but, you know, so much more professional. Um, Daniel? Um, I was just going to go in. I mean, obviously, we can't rewind the clock. We can't go back to when Half-Life 2 was released and get that massive amount of just um, word of mouth because, wow, it's a mod for Half-Life 2. There's not a whole lot of these. What would be your suggestions for PR for um, mods that are starting up and mod teams that are starting up now? Um, it's definitely, uh, and, and this is one of the things Krenzo thumped us for on that first release, uh, definitely start building the hype in advance of launching your mod. And I see a lot of mods that are really good at doing this. You know, on ModDB, they have the unreleased mod stuff where people are just kind of posting media and screenshots and concept art. That is, it's a really good idea to do that in advance of the mod, way before you have anything that's playable and released. Because um, you want to start building that wave and getting the buzz going. Um, another thing is get in personal contact with the... Uh, um, with guys that run blogs and, and game communities because those guys are your relationship with those guys is going to determine how likely they are to post your news in a timely fashion. Such as podcast 17, the such <laughs> as podcast 17 <laughs> brought to you by Carl's <laughs> jr. <laughs> a lot the, of uh, you definitely want to have don't underestimate the amount of time that your PR guy is going to have to spend. I mean, we, we brought on a dedicated PR guy who unfortunately went off and, got a full-time job that prohibits him from working on smash ball so we're looking for another guy now uh but just throwing that into the lap of one of the developers um can really crush their time it can be a serious time sink you know both writing and submitting and getting in contact with with those guys so don't underestimate how much of a time sink it can actually turn into um and then of, the, oh go ahead Kranzo. um a lot of mods some of the mods really take advantage of their not release status like Black Mesa and Neo Tokyo and stuff where the art assets you have really they're really valuable for that PR where you know you can throw out the concept art and be like ooh look at this and people are ooing and eyeing mm -hmm. even though you know the game's not anywhere near being done and then uh you basically can control what people see when you're not released yet so not being released is actually kind of valuable in a sense because you can make those preview videos and everything that just show everything perfect and make it look the best it can be. 
and then you get you get those people who have a lot of time on their hands who suddenly they're like, oh, all I can do is think about this game. I need this game. And they'll just talk <laughs> about it. And suddenly that person is essentially working for you for free advertising. So it's definitely important to take advantage of your not release status. And then once you do release, cats kind of out of the bag where people don't care. Now it's up to their own to make opinions. Yeah, they'll they'll actually have played the game and then formulated, oh, it wasn't that good or something like that. And then suddenly that's working against you. Mm-hmm. Now, where does a mod like Smashball start? Um, we, we're talking about a lot about where it's going in the future and sort of your PR development before release and everything. But before all that and the dawn of time, <laughs> how, does a, how does a mod like Smashball begin? So you know how the you know how the first album from a lot of musicians is always like the best album and they never quite get back there. Um and it's because they've been working on those songs like their entire life. Yeah. Uh that's uh pretty much the case with Smashball. Um we we actually did so not the Death Ball that most people are familiar with. We actually had a mod called Death Ball that was in private test for Quake 2. And it was the same kind of thing. Gra- four positions, grappling hook, guns and a ball and all the playtesters thought it was ridiculously fun and we just couldn't get it over the hump and that was you know that's like a decade ago or whatever um then we actually finally said let's do this again uh, mad boy mad boy talked me into it at a party let's do this again so i prototyped smash ball on unreal tournament 2004 um it, it was a little easier for me to pick up i'm actually capable of writing an unreal script not in c plus plus so we prototyped it. We talked to Epic. Um, Epic wasn't interested in really talking to the small guys without a gigantic um, engine license fee. So <laughs> we went you, and <laughs> <laughs> we went and talked to uh, Valve, and Valve was a lot more interested in working with the little guy. So we took our prototype around, got a little seed funding. Uh, ha- uh, luckily, happened upon Krenzo. Krenzo joined the team, and away we went. Hmm. Now, how about the other members of the team? Were they originally part of the UT scene as well, or you picked them up as well? Uh, we we picked most of these guys up. Um, either they either approached the mod because they saw it on ModDB, or they play tested it because they randomly saw something Krenzo posted on a forum or in IRC. Mm, okay. So a lot of the, a lot of these guys came to us fairly randomly. Um, the original UT team, we basically used all placeholder art. It was just me and uh, Steve. Uh, Steve was coding the web backend, and I was coding the Unreal script game. Okay. And uh, talking about the web backend, how important is uh, you know sort of online database saved stats for you guys? It, it, we feel that uh, it, it's the most important. I mean, it, stepping back a minute from thirty thousand feet, if you're going to have a meta game mini game interaction, both the meta game and the mini game need to be awesome. And so in our case, Smashball, the, the mod, is the minigame, and the metagame is kind of the web, uh, is the whole web, stats, teams, league. So that, it is very important to us. Uh, we're we're going to continue to improve the stats. Um, and it gives, a, it gives a persistence to the game that your typical shooter does not have. Your typical shooter, people jump in and jump out, and their character never changes. Once you add stats and experience points to the mix, and then later, you know, weapons and gear and stuff, there's a persistence to the character that we think adds stickiness to the game that you don't have in a typical shooter. Right. Um, any, anything else from anybody else before I go into very specific questions? 
think we no, I'm, I'm just actually uh was when you guys uh applied for uh steam support did they mention anything about the um i don't know how to say uh some of the vulgarity, vulgarity. of the mod you know they didn't at all <laughs> <laughs> you you must have been worried about that we, uh some of us were mildly worried about it um it, we've been asked a couple of times, or ver various artists and, and uh, Justin, I think, have been asked a couple of times if the, the developers, the lead developers and designers are 12, just because of the sense of humor we have yeah. in the game. Um, I remember once Steve posted, back in the UT 2004 time, uh, Steve posted um, and said something about hookers in a, uh, in a forum, and someone actually asked him if English was his first language. <laughs> So we were we were slightly concerned. We figured if they said anything about it, it would be fairly easy to tone down. But hey, they didn't say anything about it. And you know, ball handling and and talented hooking is funny. Yeah, it is. Well, <laughs> Gives well, us I, hope. I was, I'm I'm actually proud of Valve that they didn't do anything to they didn't complain about that. It gives us hope. Let's just say that, Mike. Yeah, it gives us nice. hope. That's what it does. Nice. We we look at Smashball and we see Podcast 17 being featured on Steam at one point or another in the future. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, don't laugh. It's not funny. It's going to happen one day. Just don't realize it. <laughs> anyway, okay, over into the specific questions, and I'm going to look at Krenzo here for a second. Um, uh. I ask everybody this that we interview, and I want to know what the hardest thing and the easiest thing about developing on the Source Engine is for you. Um, the hardest thing is probably optimizing the network stuff because they don't give you the control that some other engines do. Like some other engines say, hey, this is all the data that's going to get sent to the client. You know, deal with it yourself. You know, optimize it however you want. Whereas Half-Life 2, they like hide it from you. You just say, Hey, I want to send this to the client, and this is how big it is. Go. Mm -hmm. So, when like Smashball, when you've got 16 people all in the same room doing tons of stuff, it can definitely take a hit on bandwidth and stuff. And that's one thing I wish that they kind of let you tweak the actual data going out to optimize it a little bit better. Now, I have to mention Empires now at this point. I didn't want to bring it up, but that seemed to be a problem sort of yeah. with Empires in the early releases was really netcode op optimization. Yeah, there was there's so much stuff that if you just, just, you know, Empires, I'm like, oh, I'll just assume it's all written well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this vehicle, half, you know, Valve already wrote the vehicles. I'll just use most of that code. Right. No, oh. bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> and what about the easiest part? Um, I guess. What does the what does the source engine do well? Put it that way. Um, I guess that there's that framework there already that you can just jump in and start changing stuff. You know, it it makes it easy to ease into it, mm -hmm. where you can just take the deathmatch code and start. Playing with it, changing weapons, learning it. So I think it's a good platform to be able now, to learn about modding. As sort of a political question, are you guys happy that you decided to move with the Source Engine? It seems you did a lot of prototypes on other engines. Are you happy that you finally settled down on Source? Um, I am. 
Yeah, I think that the the grappling hook it was really tough to get smooth over a network, especially with Unreal Script, just because we didn't, you know, we didn't have access to any compiled code working as a mod in uh, in the Unreal Engine. So the grappling hook ended up performing okay at uh, um, low pings, but once you started to get at a high ping, the grappling hook just felt super choppy. Mm-hmm. And I think that Crenzo's expertise plus access to compiled code um, really helped the grappling hook uh, perform a lot better in the Source Engine uh, Smash Ball. And, yeah, and by I... the way, I'd like to I'd like to extend my compliments to Crenzo for the awesomeness of the grappling hook. I, I can't <laughs> I cannot uh, overstate how important the grappling hook is to the action of Smash Ball. For sure. And and we were so impressed with how it felt when we started playing around with it. When he said, "Okay, guys, here's the first deliverable," and we were just ecstatic. <laughs> well, Crenzo, you're really the crux of this mod. <laughs> I definitely <laughs> took experience from Empires and applied that to all the things that Smash Ball, like the grappling hook, because like, I came in knowing that if you start playing with physics stuff, then you throw the whole client-side prediction out. So if you're using physics, is easy to do, but then Half-Life 2 doesn't really predict that stuff on the client, so then suddenly you've, you know, basically all the problems of the vehicles of empires where they're choppy and stuff. I right. knew to avoid that. And so definitely was able to apply experience from empires. Well, that's great. I'm glad I'm glad you sort of had that base. Do you think a lot of modders need that sort of base when they're when they're actually going for their main project? Would you suggest them to start small beforehand? Yeah, that's it's definitely good to start with something because you're going to make mistakes and yeah figure out the right way to do things. Now, I'm going to play devil's advocate and uh, sort of go towards the negative feel, but we see a lot of mods that go towards retail. Most notably, Natural Selection gets a lot of bad publicity, almost because the the player base feels cheated. You know, they're, they're getting free service, and then um, immediately now you have to pay for a service that you're used to. Um, how do you want to address something like that, and are you dealing with those sort of opinions? Yeah, we let's actually so we can get that out in the open exclusively on podcast 17. So <laughs> here here's kind of the here's kind of the plan. Um we want to keep the game essentially free to jump online and play the whole time. So we're not going to start charging for the core game. There's oh, two okay. there's two or three main ways that we want to monetize this um one way is uh you'll notice there are billboards um all over the inside of the levels if you play the game. Those, uh, the, the graphics on those billboards are pulled dynamically from an ad server that we have. And so we have the ability to kind of use that as in-game advertising inventory. So we plan to sell that. We're tracking views and reporting views back to the central server. Um, thing number two is we are going to implement smash bucks, which is the way you are going to acquire weapons and gear. There are two ways to get smash bucks. Um, one way is to just purchase them outright. So like a cash store sort of thing. Um, the other way is we are partnering with a entity who needs to remain unnamed for now, but they are going to give us the ability to have a bunch of free ad-supported offers as ways to get smash bucks as well. So, you know, go fill out this survey, go take this quiz, sign up for this free trial, and here, have some smash bucks and go hog wild. 
Hmm. Um, so, so it's not just going to be for pay. You can spend a little bit of your time and um, get Smashbucks and participate in the online Smashball store. Well, sir, I would like to shake your hand. <laughs> that sounds. That sounds. I don't know how I feel. That sounds scary, almost like having to worry about. But I guess if if it bothers you, you can just pay for the game regularly, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, and and we'll we'll have a couple like we'll have some upfront stuff where you can. There'll probably be two or three levels of it. There's a five dollar, a ten dollar, and a twenty dollar, you know, pro pack that you'll be able to purchase on Steam that will come with a bunch of Smash Bucks that you can go spend in the game. Um, so so those are the those are the couple of ways we're we're looking to monetize the game. We really do want to keep the game free because if we can turn it in, if we can get the community big enough and we can make the uh, video content um, fun enough to watch, and we can get it on something like Hulu, we can monetize it there as well. You know, we can have a sure. twenty minute sports show and insert some commercials, and away we go. So. You're, so this is going to be – explain how you're, you're, you're going to go about this. So you don't just buy the game. You have to pay to play? No. Um, no, not at all. It will be free. It will be free to download and play. Um, okay. In order to get Smash Bucks, in order to get any sort of custom gear or weapon loadout beyond the default stuff, um, you will have to either pay or use, some, use one of the ad-supported thingies to get yourself some Smash Bucks that you can spend in the Smash Ball store. Okay. And how much of an advantage would these sort of content, this, this extraneous content, be towards the normal player? So therein lies the key in the game design. <laughs> and I, I, like, if Steve were here, he would, he would echo what I'm saying right now. Um, the goal is to, make, is to keep skill as the overarching factor in a player's success. Okay. Okay, we don't want someone to be able to come in and spend $10,000 in the Smashball store. Oh, well, we'd love that, but we don't <laughs> want them to be able to come in and spend $10,000 and be able to own our top players. We, we don't want, we're trying desperately not to make World of Warcraft here. Of course. Okay, we don't want the grind or the money spent to, to cause people to be the best in the game. So the, the benefits from this stuff are going to be fairly small, and, and a lot of this stuff is just going to be trade-offs. Like, um, you know, this gun is better at causing fumbles, but worse at causing knock knockdowns. Um, this helmet increases your passing ability, but decreases your shooting ability. Um, so a lot of that stuff is going to be ways to custom tweak your character, not necessarily improve your character on all axes at once. I, I don't know. I don't know how I, fe I feel about that. I, I almost don't want to because the one thing i don't like is when i play a game and not only is it new I, everyone's got new stuff and i don't know how i'm supposed to get that stuff and it's confusing etc cetera, etc cetera. so in that in that light i don't like it but coming from my experience as a as a counter-strike uh um competitive player i like the idea that you're adding a level of depth to it because in counter-strike when you're playing professionally you have two guns you have the m4 and the ak-47 so being able to go and and you know add that new layer would be nice but i i don't see like i just it seems incredibly confusing for you guys ha having to work this out having to work out how you're going to make money off of it and i i, I just don't like I, I couldn't i wouldn't be able to do that i i just don't see how it's going to how how you guys are going to be able to deal with that is it, i mean especially in balancing how is that going to work yeah bal the balancing issue is going to be the toughest um, likely what will happen is we'll spin up a uh, beta version 
um, of Smashball on Steam is like a separate app ID. And uh, we'll test a lot of new gear. We'll just kind of like give it away in a separate league that doesn't matter in the main league so that people can check it out in our Bleeding Edge release. Um, and we'll probably use a lot of that to help balance. Um, it, but yeah, that is the most dangerous thing behind releasing custom weapons and gears to make sure it doesn't get too out of balance. Uh, one of the things that I'll, that I'll repeat is these tweaks to your character are going to be very small. So for example, the tier two skills, they tweak certain events, you know, maybe 20 or 30% in a direction. Like they, they might increase the amount of force damage you do, like irresistible force increases the amount of force damage you do when you charge by 30%. Um, the weapons, by contrast, custom weapons and gear are going to be tweaks in the, you know, maybe two to 5% range. So we're going to try to keep those, keep those tweaks very small against the core skills that you can select and against the raw skill and talent of the players. Someone, someone just said in, in chat, imagine if you had to buy the back burner in TF2. And I think they meant to say that in a that's a bad idea kind of way. But honestly, if I had the option to go and buy the, the new content, I would just because I don't want to sit there for hours and hours and hours trying to get it. So I guess I, I can see the benefit of it, but I, I if if you've ever listened to the podcast, you know I have a history of not liking I, me giving money to anyone besides myself. I'm I'm kind of Jewish in that way, so I don't. I, that's just the way I am. But I like the idea that you don't have to. There's other options. So, but that's really tricky. You guys are really bringing a lot upon yourselves to try and do that. And and bear in mind, like I, I and we know that this is going to cause a little bit of an uproar, you know, when we decide to start selling stuff in a store. Bear in mind that we are doing everything we can to give you free options mm -hmm. to yeah. get to get money in the store. So I, I mean, I specifically went to E3 to talk to a couple of people about such a back end system, and I, I think I found our partner. Um, and and it, there will definitely be free options for obtaining Smash Bucks. It's just going to take a little bit of your time. Um, to go do whatever it is these ad guys have, and that will, incidentally, that will benefit a little. Uh, that will benefit us a little bit monetarily on the back end, but it will get you some smash bucks, and you'll be able to buy stuff in the Smashball store. You also yeah. have to take into account that Team Fortress Two, you paid to get it in the first place. Right. Yeah. So if you were then paying on top of that for the weapons, that would suck. But Smashball is going to be free, so anything you're going to, you have to, anything that you want to pay for is money that was you know in your pocket in the first place well it makes sense if someone's playing a game i mean a lot of people are just going to play smash ball for 10 minutes and then not like it and then a lot of people are going to find it and think wow this is my niche i really like this and so people who spend a lot of time playing it then there have the option to say well i guess i'll pay this to support the developers and you know I, I'm, I'm getting That's new content game. so yeah it makes sense mm -hmm. i agree too um, I Think got of it like a donation. Yeah. Yeah. That just kind of like what they did with the natural selection, except you don't just get a stupid little icon and the word next to you, and you actually get stuff to use. So I had sense. that icon. <laughs> did you sign up for the special black marine armor? No, I didn't actually. Yeah, but I had that little apparently... icon next to me. <laughs> that that really pisses me off because. There's going to be like three people with it, and now when, because I don't want to buy the game now and, and find out that it sucks later, and now I have this black armor for a game that's terrible. So they should they should give it an option later to to get it. Well, I think but, you guys are 
quite possibly the most professional team we've ever interviewed on Podcast 17. Um, you guys, I, I mean, I said it before, but you certainly have your ducks in a row. Um, one thing that, one last question I have um, before you know, I ask if anybody else has any, um, is how important is competitive play to you guys? I mean, I know you guys have your league set up, you have stat tracking set up, but uh, do you plan on taking this even further into something like CPL? Because leagues like that are sort of dying out now in this generation. And I think there needs to be some sort of revival. Do you think Smashball can bring that? We feel that one of the one of the big reasons. I mean, I played. You know, okay. You know, get let me get my Walker out here. Um, it, I actually played. I I helped to run a clan play, that played Quake World Team Fortress, and we did. You know, we did pretty decently at the time. We were a clan of LPBs, and at that time, that was it was feared. So. Um, my main problem playing in that and, and running the team and playing in leagues was that there was so much overhead for the players and participants to actually participate in the league. You had to, you know, everybody had to record demos and submit demos and, yeah. and submit scores. And there was all kinds of officiating. It was none of it was automated. So that's one of the things we really want to do with Smashball. So the stuff you see that's out there right now is really kind of alpha. Um, we want to have some auto matching stuff. We want to make it as easy as possible for players to play in a competitive match or for teams to play in a competitive match. Um, and, you know, automatically update the league with the scores so no reporting has to be done. Have the game servers take care of that whole thing. Uh, and, and we think that that's the reason a lot of these guys, because there's no tight integration between league and game, we think that's the reason a lot of these guys aren't... Um, aren't making it that far or it's not going big is because there's a hell of a lot of overhead involved in participating in these leagues. Well, so, um, does anybody else have anything? Uh, that's, that's, yeah. that's pretty, that's pretty much it. It's funny though. Cause we just, I think our last interview was zombie mod source and they're the complete opposite of, of smash. <laughs> so we're going to two extremes here. It's great. Well, it, if I could say anything to close it up, close up this interview, I'd just like to say you guys are frontiers of mod development, and I really think um, you're going places. Definitely, I can't wait till the retail version. It, you know, and the thing is, the 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 funny thing is, I don't personally, I don't even like Smashball. It's not my type of game, but I think what you guys are doing for the community and how you're driving it forward is noble, just to say the least. So. I commend you for that. <laughs> don't just just don't just don't get sick of it and give up, please. <laughs> no, that ain't happening. I'm too far into it now. <laughs> All right. Without further ado, I guess we can move on to the rest of the show. We got two more things um, before we close up the episode. This episode of Podcast Seventeen. Well, no, wait, wait. Do we kick them out now and say goodbye, or they can stick around? It's just audio questions. They can stick around. Okay. You guys want to stick around for a little bit? Sure. All right. Um, the first thing is a listener audio question, and Ruckus asked, um, actually this sort of goes back to our follow-up in Arata. Last week we talked about a Black Mesa Source video, we talked about the Black Mesa Source video where they exit the cave, you get uh, sort of the side of the mountain and the uh, jets fly by. There were actually more videos on their YouTube stream, and Ruckus comments on that, he says, what are the Podcast 17 members' views on Black Mesa in its current state? Do you think they decided to sloth around releasing those old videos just as an excuse to not work on their release? Or do you think otherwise? I myself believe that these old videos are part of the former of my previous comment rather than the later, or the latter, simply because setting up and taking a screenshot takes under two minutes. So do you think this was a cop-out to do more work? E well, you can't, yes, but you can't blame them. They've, 
developing a mod of that caliber takes a lot of time, as the Smash, Smash Ball guys know, and sometimes it just you want to take a break. So I I can, I can obviously there's they're slowing down their development a bit, but you know it's it's just they're just taking a break. There's nothing wrong with that. Keep in mind, Half Life is a very long game, and one thing when you're developing a multiplayer mod is that there's no real there's no ending technically there's no there's no imagine like a bar you know you can you can see the progress of the mod there's no progress in a multiplayer mod whereas in this mod the end is the end they there's a there is a half-life and they know as how far they, they are away from it and it can be really disconcerting to be only halfway through it and almost done in your mind you know you're already exhausted so that could be it but and you know what? After this interview with Smashball, I really have a different view on Ruckus's question here. And in that, uh, I really think Black Mesa is sort of shaping the public's opinion on their mod while they still have the chance before their mod is actually released. And I think the Black Mesa team would have to agree. Mm. You know, even though these videos are old, they're still amazing. Uh, they, they probably have all this content just sitting around waiting to be released. So. And it seems everyone's worked on Black Mesa. Everyone has had their diddle in that piddle a little. And I just don't I don't see how that happened. Everyone's worked on it. Who who in this podcast has had something to do with Black Mesa Source? I applied for it and one of the mappers for Black Mesa Source lives like a mile away from me. There you go. <laughs> and last week, who did we interview? Who did we talk to? Who Black did Mesa. we talk to? Oh, Radiate the Radiator guy worked on yeah, Black Mesa. Yeah, he worked Mesa on Black Mesa. That's what it was. That's what it was. I remember that. All right, so I guess that's... Anybody else have anything to say about Rex's question? No? Okay. No. Um, I think I just want it to get released because it's something that we're all looking forward to. Right. I have so. been looking forward to forever. Yeah. Actually, don't... I think a lot yeah. of people are losing faith in Black Mesa Source for, right now. For people that think that they've stagnated and that they've um, stopped, go back to 2004 and 2005 and look at their map screenshots from then and then look at their map screenshots from now. They've done so much work that ten mod teams together probably wouldn't wouldn't be able to accomplish what they've done. Mm -hmm. I agree. Um, okay, well, moving on, we have Planet Phillips poll question of the uh, of the week, and then we'll close up the show. So, what was what was the poll question? Well, I'm gonna play it for you. Well, then play it. Damn it! So just shut up and wait. I will shut up. Play the poll question. <laughs> okay, here we go. Hi, Philip here from Planet Philip. Here's this week's poll question. Would you prefer to read a review by a mapper or by a player? Is it as simple that mappers prefer to read mappers' reviews and players prefer to read players' reviews? Or is it just the personality of the re reviewer? I don't know. What do you think? So Philip basically asked, um, would you rather read something from a mapper or from um, just, you know, a reviewer? I I I've, I am vehemently opinionated on this, as you know, William, and I think that. What aren't you opinionated <laughs> on? I don't care about cats. I think cats are kind of boring. But I I just when when it comes down to it, you read a review for one reason, and that is to, well, no, there's a few reasons actually. I shouldn't say that, but the ultimate the the gist of it is you're trying to find out if it's worth your time. Or money in some cases. If you're reading a Smash Ball review, you want to know if it's worth your money. If you're reading a mod review, you want to know if it's worth your time, right? So who better than to tell you that than another player who is just like you? Why would you want why do you care what some technical babble 
uh, man has to say when you can just read it from someone just like you and find out for yourself. You know, I, I, that's my that's my logic on it. Yes. I think a lot uh, of people are in the same sentiment. Sorry. Continue. So it's um it it actually boils down to very simple. The people who write reviews for major publications are not game developers. They probably have never even uh, been on a game development team. They have journal. They have um, degrees in journalism and general writing because that's what they're good at, and they're um, able to compress what they've done, seen, played, and the frustrations they had, and so on, into something that's easy to read. While a mapper is really good at making maps, but he may not be very good at writing something, and it may just turn a lot of people off. Right. So ideally, you want someone who has some know-how, someone who knows how maps work and everything, so they can under so they know what to look for in making. And, and seeing what makes it good, but at the same time is a good writer and has a personality, et cetera, et cetera. I agree. Um, sometimes I like seeing the technical side of things, but that's only if I understand the technical side of things. You know what I mean? Sometimes it can be overwhelming and daunting if you're reading a review and they're just going way too much into detail. Um, most specifically, I, I read some things on Ars Technica sometimes, and they're just way too over the top. Um, whereas, uh, you know, some other say like the New York Times or something like that, they, they won't have as much technical information, but the content is still there and it still gives you an idea of what's going on. Um, and I think that's what a review is all about. It's for the general populace and the general populace, you know, they're reading the review because they don't know much about the content. So why should it be very technical? Well, well, well what someone just said in chat, I would like someone who is an actual mod developer on, on Podcast 17. I take offense to that, William. Daniel's too. a mod developer. Yeah, Daniel's a mod Daniel developer. Daniel makes Ragnarok Arena, and we got two mod developers here from Smash Bomb, so it's yeah, Thomas. Yes, but I'm hardly a regular oh. member. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. If, if, no, I'm a regular member, and so is William. We, we, hey, we, I may listen carefully. Yeah. Oh, made, <laughs> damn. No, but on a serious note, I've made a mod, and it's genuine mod. You can play that mod. So yeah. there, suck yeah. on it. Yeah, I know that you've never done work for Ragnarok Arena, even though you said you would. Yeah, I did get the CVS, so that was one step closer, but never did it. Mike and but, Justin, what do you feel about uh, reviewers? If you had to choose. I would rather listen to the mapper. Really? Really? But see, well, you're a developer, so that's what you want. Yeah, but players... Um, when I think of player, I think of somebody who looks at the superficial side of things and is like, well, I don't like that art there. and uh, <laughs> they, I died a lot, so this game sucks. <laughs> that sounds Dude, like Philip's reviews. <laughs> but, uh, I had point. to cheat. <laughs> that's the I, point, though. I think the it? mapper has the eye that they can, they know what goes into a game, and they kind of take that time to look at the whole picture. But, but the argument is, if if you have to be a mapper or a developer to to appreciate something, then it's not in, intrinsically it's not very good because it's only available to a certain type of person. Whereas everyone's a player, everyone can be that stupid basic con consumer. So yeah, everybody can play it, and the player can you know have his opinion. But I'm just saying that the mapper is more likely to go into depth about it and look at the whole picture and relay. More information in a review. Yeah, but I, I just don't see how how that's. Uh, then I guess we're 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 arguing the the definition of a review. If you want to get a, a an in depth in look on how something was developed, of course you want a mapper. But if you want just a 
this is what I thought of it. it. This part was good. This part was bad. Then I guess you should have a player. I just when I think of player, I think of the people on the forums who, like I said, they'll just look at the general stuff and. But isn't that the ultimate, the ultimate end of it? That you're trying to appease the players, not developers, right? There was an no, example that Krenzo might yeah. be referring to where in another forum um, somebody posted some screenshots of Smashball and said, hey, go try this game. And then uh, there were several forum posts that basically just talked shit about our HUD. It's <laughs> <laughs> <That's> hilarious. <laughs> and it was like, why don't you go try the game, please? Okay, thanks. You know. <laughs> but see, that, that isn't a review. That's a forum post. So that... Okay, fair enough. That's just a couple of people being pissed off. Okay, so off. Let, let, let's make that our official post, uh, our official stance on a forum post should only be made by developers. There you go. I guess it totally depends on your own style. There's no real answer. Everybody likes something different. So. I, I think that players with, um, I think that players with sufficient experience, like I, I'm talking a decade of hardcore gaming experience, will often provide plenty of information in their review. Right. Exactly. I consider myself a pretty good reviewer. I can get on the technical side of things if I want, but I have no way, shape, or form a developer. I, I, I just don't... When, when I read a review, I don't want to know how many polygons were in the, the model render and how, how well done the, the, the optimization was. I just want to know, was it fun? Okay, see ya. That's it. So for me, I just want a player to tell me that. Or but Maverick. Like the forum post is sufficient for you, then. Yeah, it looks. It sounds like I belong in the forums. That's <laughs> that's what I think we've taken from this. And I think I think where <laughs> Philip got the source of this question was because of DM2SP. And I'd like to point out again that there is a contest going on called DM2SP.com. You can go there. Blah 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 blah. blah why don't you just get a? Why don't you just print it out the logo on a piece of paper and you can just hold it up to the webcam every ten minutes? <laughs> or just like stop. tape it to your television. There's there. no. There's no uh, there's no pieces of paper around here. Damn it! <laughs> Write it on your 360 controller. Yeah, there you that's go. true. Um, well, I mean, on the other hand, it's uh, it's not like mappers. Like we said before, mappers make a good reviewer. I like to think that I'm at least competent in mapping and know my way around a map, but I couldn't form a review to save my life, as you notice when you asked my opinions on um, Chief. the HL1 mod and that too. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's enough. For the podcast, I'd like to say before we close up that our after podcast play session is um, Fistful of Frags, right? Fistful of Frags? Mm-hmm. Is that correct? So the new version of Fistful of Frags 2.6, the one that we talked about on this very episode, you can download it. And I'm going to be playing Fistful of Frags because I have my computer back. Look, here it is. Actually, I don't know. I could probably move this better. You my computer's back. Yay. Who run Fistful of Frags, worked on Empire. Did he? So, cool. You know, the more, the more we interview mod teams, the more I figure that, A, you don't have to do much work to make a mod, and B, everyone's involved in everyone else's <laughs> mod. It's like a, an episode yeah. of The Young and the Restless. Everyone's just having sex. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, um, That's hey. a team I would love to have on the show, is Empires. Yeah, yeah. get on that. Make that happen, Mr. Uh, Mr. Krenzo. And on that note, when is that going open source? That should be the top subject here. <laughs> but anyway, we got to close up. Um, thank you. 
Thank you, thank you, thank you, Mike and Justin, for coming on the Thanks show. Thank you so much for coming. Yeah, yeah thank, thank you very much. We, we wish you ultimate success in your endeavors, and we would love to see a Podcast 17 model in the, uh, in the game someday if you ever have the time. Or maybe we can get one of those Podcast 17 advertisements. Yeah, how about that? That'd be how about a bass called Pod 17? How, how much would it cost us? I don't know. We can work something out. Awesome. We, some- <laughs> we got to get our hands in every mod humanly possible. Oh, yeah. Not just our hands. We should get every body part in every orifice of every mod ever. That's what we need. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Daniel, also for coming on the show as a guest. Hey, not a problem. Appreciate it. Very good insight. And thank I think you, we Emmanuel should talk about Nick. this co-host uh, position. I think it'd be very lucrative for me. Uh, yeah. We just had to fill it, actually. So, sorry. Mm. He didn't, Nerd. We didn't actually have to fill He was just kidding. Yeah. Anyway, thank you, listeners, for tuning in. Tune in every week, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on Sunday. Check out www.podcast17.com for more information. And uh, peace out. Bye. Bye.